This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Welcome to Motherhood Unstressed, a podcast for anyone who wants to let go of stress and anxiety, take their power back, and learn how to create a truly beautiful life. Each week, I'm speaking with amazing individuals who are experts in the field of entrepreneurship, fitness, nutrition, motherhood, sex, and so much more. I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. I'm a mom, a blogger, and a certified health coach. I'm obsessed with personal growth and change, and I've helped women all around the world regain alignment with what they truly value in life and remove the blocks preventing them from living their life to the fullest. If you're ready to stop living a half-life and move fully into your power, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey guys, in this episode, I'm speaking with the amazing and brilliant Jamie Sumner. She's the author of the book Unbound, Finding Freedom from Unrealistic Expectations of Motherhood. She's a writer for Parenting Special Needs Magazine and Scary Mommy, and she's also an editor for Literary Mama. She's the mother of a son with cerebral palsy, and she also has twins, and it was an article that she wrote on how she renovated her entire house for her son with special needs that caught my attention. Now, I can't imagine how hard it would be to parent a child with special needs, but I wanted to have her on the show to talk about her experience so that we could all understand better. Um, And the conversation actually turned into a call for mothers to be kinder to themselves, that no matter what kind of mother you are, no matter what kind of children you have, it's not going to be an easy job. It's the hardest job in the world. So I love that we covered how having faith and compassion and empathy towards yourself and other mothers is key to surviving motherhood and thriving. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and share it with another mother in your life who you know needs to hear it too. So what is CBD and what is it good for? This is a question that I get all of the time, and I'm glad because it lets me explain what it actually is and how amazing it is for stress, anxiety, inflammation, pain, sleep, the list goes on. So CBD is short for cannabidiol, and it's one of 85 plus chemical compounds known as phytocannabinoids found in the cannabis plant. Um, and it's not marijuana. It's not going to get you high, but it is going to affect you in the way that you feel less stressed less anxious, less jittery, less apt to react to things um, emotionally. So it's a really wonderful grounding compound. And we already have a system in our bodies called the endocannabinoid system. And this was actually discovered in 1996. Um, So it's fairly new. And we have this system throughout our brain and our bodies and our guts everywhere. And when that's out of balance, you feel depressed, you feel anxious. And so adding in CBD is a really great way to bring back homeostasis to your body so that you feel like you should feel, you know, you feel good. This episode is also sponsored by Four Sigmatic. This is the Finnish company bringing you medicinal mushrooms that you can put in your coffee, in your smoothies, or just in some hot water. Remember to use the code UNSTRESS to save 10% at checkout. And I promise you putting mushrooms into your diet will change your life. Well, hello, Jamie. How are you? I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So I love context. I always ask my guests to start us off by giving us a little bit of context. So can you just 
start by sharing your journey to motherhood, um, the events in your life that led you to where you are now, a beautiful writer who writes so wonderfully about, you know, the experience, the journey of motherhood. Oh, absolutely. I guess I'll give you like the two, the two pronged version, which is like the mom me and then the work me because I'm kind of both. But um, I'm the mom to three kids. Charlie is six and I have four-year-old boy-girl twins, Jonas and Cora. So it's very busy at our house. And Charlie has cerebral palsy and he's in a wheelchair. And I, he is, I write a lot about um, him and about special needs and what it's like to parent a kid who has physical disabilities and also he has communication, like he's limited verbally. And it's just a different way of parenting, but it hits at all the same things that we all struggle with in our parenting. I mean, you still have to figure out how to discipline and how to encourage your kids to make friends and to play nicely and to be kind to their siblings. And it's all the same things. It's just a a different context. I have written for the New York Times and the Washington Post. And there'll be another, I think, New York Times piece coming out in December. Some other places, Scary Mommy. I'm, I love Scary Mommy. Me too. Um, yeah, they're fun. They're fun to write for and they're fun to read. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever need to smile, Scary Mommy on Instagram will probably do it. Uh, I am also an author of a nonfiction book called Unbound. And it is actually, this is where my mom life and my work life meet. It's about how I came to be a mom. It's about our struggle with infertility um, and fertility treatments and everything that kind of came about to actually get Charlie and the twins. Um, It was a long, hard road for us. and, And Unbound is kind of an encouragement to women who are trying to be moms. And it's also an encouragement to moms if where they are doesn't look like where they thought they would be, or if they're kind of struggling, I guess, with finding satisfaction with where they are. Um, because I think that's a really hard thing when you basically judge your how you're doing as a mom by like what you see around you and the and kind of the social media version of everybody, it's, it's hard to not be difficult on yourself and not oh, to find absolutely. fault with yourself, I think. And so the book's kind of a, actually you're doing better than you think you are. And, and it's more of an attitude switch than it is just, you know, here's how to do things differently. It's more like, actually, you're going to be okay. You know, you're going to be okay. I love that. I love, and I was going to ask you about your book later on in the interview, but I want to kind of touch in on that since you mentioned it. Um, You know, obviously this is something that we can all use help with. I know my own personal story, like it's hard not to constantly compare yourself to others because you're like, you know, you want to do a good job and you want to feel like you're, you know, doing the best for your children. So, I mean, what are the really, you kind of touched on it, but what are the core tenets of the book Um, what are the real life lessons that you want readers to get out of it? Um, Well, first, the book is faith-based. So it's the way it's structured. um, Each chapter kind of carries you through part of 
part of my journey and in, in, in through into motherhood, but it also discusses different women in the Bible that were basically renegades of their own kind um, that definitely led unconventional lives. And yet, I mean, if you looked at their story based on the facts, you would think that perhaps they were not doing things correctly. They weren't following the rules to make themselves a successful woman of of ancient Israel. Mm -hmm. Um, But then when you look at how the quirks of their story and like the turnings actually made them better and made them women who, I mean, incredible women who became leaders of their nation. It's, it's kind of astounding when you shift that perspective and see it's actually the things that we, that weren't part of our plan that make us better humans. Mm. Um, And that's one of the major themes of the book The it's, it's, (laughs) it's here are all the things that went wrong in my plan to have babies, but here's actually all the things. If you look at it this way, that made me a better wife and mother and human being and social citizen. And I think that we don't give ourselves enough grace to let us embrace that, to see that the differences and the difficulties that we've experienced actually have made us strong and empathetic women. And I think that's one of the biggest things in the book is like when you're hurting and things aren't going your way and your heart just feels broken because let's say you've tried for years and years to have a child and you can't, um, or you're finally pregnant and you have a miscarriage, Mm. um, which happened to me, or you just are, you're in the middle of being a mom and your kids are in that stage where nothing you say matters and you just feel like you're talking to yourself mm-hmm. and you say it over and over and you're like, is the only, is the only thing they pay attention to is, is my anger? Because that's not a great parenting pattern. You know, whatever the, the stage you're in, it's so hard not to just be sad or frustrated. And at, the book is basically a way to help women be encouraged in the place they're in rather than here's how to get out of that place. It's more like, here's how to find peace with that place. Even if you have to sit in it for a while. I just got chills when you said that. I mean, I feel like this is the perfect time to have this conversation because I mean, I was on my way. My husband travels a lot for work. I was on my way dropping off the kids earlier this week. Things were going awry. It was really late. Um, And I just started to cry because it was like they weren't listening. You know, they were being really, really naughty. And I just (laughs) felt, yeah, I just had that moment where I was just like, I'm failing. You know, I'm, this is, this is not good enough. And then, like you said, it's like there's nothing you can really do except keep soldiering on. And I love that the book is about encouraging, you know yeah, it sucks. This is a hard moment in time and it sucks when they're teasing and it sucks insert whatever. But I love that, you know, your message is really, it's going to be okay. Sit in it, survive. You're going to be okay. Like, I love that because we need that, you know, it's so needed. I mean, how many books out there on parenting? It's like, do these five steps to a better morning or these five things to discipline in in a non-judgmental, whatever it is. Like, we have enough of those. Like there's not enough out there that's like, 
here's how to be kind to yourself. <laughs> yeah, which is so key. I mean, because I feel like if you don't correct that and, and, and like you said, give yourself some grace, mm-hmm. it just, it gets even worse, you know, and then, you know, you're doubting yourself and not trusting yourself when in fact you are a good mom, you know, you're just having an iffy kind of day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or year or whatever season you're mm-hmm. in. Like it's hard when it, it, it's like a, a, many small moments that add up that just feel, make you feel weighed down. Yeah. And you're like, I just don't know if I can bounce back again. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Here's an example. So yesterday was a lovely day. I took the twin. I was going to be fun mom. <laughs> so I took the twins to the zoo in the morning, which was great. And then we met, my in-laws were in town and so we met them plus my husband for lunch, which is fun. We never do the like, let's go out to lunch thing. Um, so we did that, went home for nap and I let them play together in, um, one, one of the other's rooms, um, for a little bit before they sleep just to, you know, they want a little more time. It helps them kind of just nap, you know, get split up a little bit, but they're still having time away. From the bot, I, I go up to get them to separate them. From the bottom of the stairs, I hear the sound of paper ripping. I already know what this is before I get up there because they've already been in trouble twice, big trouble for this. And I go up the stairs and I open the door and they are just shredding books. They are shredding mm-hmm. books. You can't even see the floor. Oh, it no. is covered. And, and one wall is completely covered in crayon. Mm. So, and, and it was this moment of like, oh my gosh, I've just, we've just had this amazing Mm. two thirds of a day. Can't you just be a little grateful for how great it was and just let it be a good day? And how could you not have listened the thousands of other times that we've said, don't rip your books or all the times you've gotten in time out for it. And I, I, I stood there and I was so just like taken aback by the fact that this was happening again. I started to cry mm. and they both look at me like, what? I mean, it's like two puppies that are like, turn their heads to the side yeah. and they're like, what's she doing? And I just had a moment where I'm like, okay, I can't even pretend to be okay with this. I, I can't pretend that it's fine. I also can't come up with the proper lecture right now (laughs) because I can't even find the words. So I just, they both went downstairs. They went in timeout. I put myself in timeout Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I just needed, I needed to, I needed to have a break from them before I could think of what to say. I called my husband who said a lot of things on the phone that I did not repeat to the children, you know, (laughs) and it was just one of those things where I'm like, this is not going to go well. I I'm okay with that because it's, this is one of those moments where I'm not even going to pretend to handle this well, because I can't, I can't. Well, it's good you and had I enough self awareness, you know. Yeah. In moment, so many. Well, I had are... a lot of practice. They've done it enough <laughs> times. It's like dress rehearsal thirty seven over here. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I love that story because it's so relatable. It's it's yeah. everyone listening to this right now is going to be like, yep, yep, been there. Oh. Right. I mean. Man. So I want to ask you about the article, which was how I found you. It was on Scary Mommy, which again is something we love. If you haven't checked it out, definitely go to Instagram or online and check it out. Um, and the article was how we built a house around a boy. Um, so talk to me about the motivation for the article. 
Um, and then you, about your experience of completely renovating your home for your son. Oh, this was amazing. Um, so this was a very long process, but I actually wrote an article for Scary Mommy a year ago um, about putting the lift in our garage for his wheelchair. And I worked with the same company and it's a special needs contracting company. So what they do is it's an architect, they're nonprofit. They come in with a therapist, like a physical therapist, um, and whoever else they need along with the engineers and they plan out, here's what your house needs in order for your child to grow in your home and become more independent. So they don't think of like, here's what Charlie needs right now. They think here's what Charlie's going to need now. And then 10 years from now. Hmm. So they, they kind of play in long-term and they think about things, you know, you think about remodeling your home and you, you bring people in and they, you know, they look at aesthetics, but, and structure, but these people come in and they look at accessibility. So their goal is to make the house I mean, they, they look at aesthetics too, but the, their goal is to basically make sure that the house is fit for your child and things that I would never think of. Like, is this counter too high or, or if this door opens inwards, is he going to be able to do it himself or is that going to get in the way of the wheelchair? Hmm. Um, or do we need to remove any of the like crown molding or the door stops or anything that might get in his way and things like that. And they think about all that. So last summer they installed a lift in our garage and this is very exciting because Charlie's now 40 pounds and he's heavy to lift in and out and carry up the steps in the garage. Um, but what I actually talked about in the article and I talked about this a little bit in this one as well is that I didn't know that I would actually grieve a little bit when we finally used the lift for the first time because I didn't know how much it meant to me to carry him out um, and set him in his wheelchair or put him in the van, you know, and lift him out of his bed and have him in my arms and and it's not that I don't still do that, but it was just this idea that now I don't have to. And what if he now, and now prefers this? And he loves the lift because he can push the button himself. And like what kid doesn't want to push an mm-hmm. elevator button or lift button, you know? And, and he loves it. And I think my fear was, so I'm adding this level of independence just like you would with any child. But what would it be if, this, like, if he doesn't need me as much anymore and hadn't even really thought about it, um, until that moment. And it was hard. It was hard. It was hard to embrace. And then what we did this summer, which was crazy. Um, so we, Charlie's bedroom was upstairs and again, he's heavy. And the way our stairs are structured, we couldn't do a stair lift. So like you couldn't do the chair on the stairs and it was getting to the point where like, it was kind of unsafe to carry him up and down the stairs, like at night or, you know, my dad actually fell once carrying Charlie down the stairs and he took one for the team and bruised his side up and down, but Charlie was fine. And, you know, it just wasn't safe anymore. So, and because of our HOA, any of you that live in the suburbs and have to deal with an HOA, 
we couldn't add on really to the house because we're technically in a flood zone. It was this whole big mess of like, well, gosh, what do we do? We can't, he can't stay up there. And if we switch rooms, it doesn't solve the problem of going to up and down stairs in the middle of the night. And, and then he, you know, we wanted him on the same level as us. So we decided that who uses a dining room anyway, which we weren't even using it as a dining room. And we decided to tear down walls and make that his room. Mm. And it was, so this, this company contracted out the labor and it was this group of men, this men's Bible study. Okay. That were doing the demo. These, and then there are all these old retired men that were like, so sweet. And they would came in and they tore up our, our dining room and, and um, they put in sliding pocket doors so Charlie could do that himself and he didn't have to, it didn't get in the way of the wheelchair. And they, we had him put in a big transom window above the sliding doors because he, Charlie's scared of the dark. Mm-hmm. And so with that window up there, he still has enough light from the living room and it made it feel open for him. And, and we, so I chronicled kind of this process and wrote about it. Um, for scary mommy again. And this time it's funny. If the lift was like more independence, this was just pure excitement because now he was down on the same level with me. So it be, so we've, we've already started this new pattern where the whole family does bedtime downstairs in Charlie's room now. Mm. And it's, and it's brought more community to our family. Like that was the whole point. Like Charlie felt so isolated in his room, you know, and, and, he didn't spend a lot of time in there and now he can't, he can hang out in his room if he wants, you know, and it was a big deal for us. And these are the kinds of things that I have to think about all the time with him. Um, I have to think about what are the steps that make him more a part of our family, you know, make sure with the twins that they pay attention to their brother. They're pretty good at that. They're good at taking care of him, but when he's limited verbally and they're very loud you know, he can get lost in the mix and I have to be very protective of him and, and the attention that he also needs to get. And so his room downstairs has made that so much better for all of us. That's beautiful. And I love how you said in the article, how your grandmother had said, you know, um, Mm -hmm. if you carry the baby calf up the stairs the whole time, you can carry the cow. And when I read that, I just got chills and and you were like, I don't want to do that. You know, I shouldn't, don't want to, but you're still so connected. You don't want to lose that bond either. So, and I think that that's something for those listening, you know, you have children, you feel that regardless. I mean, you see it in a much more stark way, but we all have that connection when they start to get more autonomous, we kind of we do, we grieve it, you know, I mean, we want that for them, you know, that's obviously a good thing, but it's like this part of you is now becoming separate. Exactly. Yeah. My grandma, if you lift a calf until it becomes a cow, you can lift the cow. I love that. I I mean, it's like something I feel like I've heard before, but I've never heard it. (laughs) Oh yeah. I'm sure. Well, you know, she's middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. That's uh, that was one of her her, her other what favorite saying was, you're cute as a speckled pup under a red wagon. I don't even know. I guess that's adorable. <laughs> yeah. I guess um, it's adorable. She had, a, she had a whole pocket full of sayings. That's for I sure. love that. I love, you yeah. should do a book on that. <laughs> oh, that would be so fun. Oh, hmm. The kids would probably tear it to pieces. <laughs> 
speaking of which, um, you kind of you kind of mentioned. I think this is probably a question you get a lot. Like, how has parenting a child with special needs changed your life? But I'm also curious, how has it affected your parenting of your twins? They're you know just rambunctious twins running around. How has having a child with special needs affected how you parent them? Uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I'm going to answer that question, but I'm going to answer it in reverse because actually having the twins changed a lot how I parented Charlie. Um, because Charlie was the oldest and you you know how you, everybody parents their oldest differently because it's, it's like we're practicing and we come in with all these ideas of how we think we'll be as parents. I think you saw this too, the piece I read about taking Charlie home from the NICU for the first time, um, like actually pulling the heart monitor, the leads off of him and, and actually taking him home. And I think I had these expectations for, for my motherhood um, that I didn't exactly, like I couldn't have voiced them, but I learned how to be a mom through Charlie and Charlie's beginning was so traumatic. Um, he was in the NICU for three months. Mm. He came home with a tracheotomy. So the, the tube in his throat and also later, um, through an emergency ER visit ended up getting a, a gastronomy tube, which is a tube in his tummy. Um, he slept every night with a monitor around his foot to measure his heart rate and oxygen. Um, there, I had a suction machine that sounded like a tiny lawnmower that you flipped a switch on and I used a little, it looked like a little, almost like an ear suction dropper or no suction. And I had to suction out the trach when it got clogged with phlegm, like every couple times an hour oh, wow. for the first year of his life. So I didn't sleep much and he had seizures when he got fevers. So we ended up in ambulance rides and basically... I was very much more a nurse than I was a mom in the beginning. Like I learned how to be a mom based on what the nurses told me. You know, I carried blue gloves in my um, purse all the time so that I could use the suction machine and so that he wasn't basically vulnerable to germs and everything else because it was so fraught. So that was what I knew. That's how I knew how to be a mom to a baby. Then I had the twins. And by then, Charlie was, he turned two right before the twins were born. And they were born, so Charlie was born at 30 weeks. The twins were born at 29 weeks, five days. Oh, wow. Which was super scary, but also, in a way, not. Because we had done, we, I was born at 30 weeks. So it's something with my family. And we had kind of prepared ourselves just in case. And they had gotten all of the shots and or all of the, you know, what I had gotten all the shots to help protect them as best I could. If I went into early labor, you know, and when my water broke, I went into the hospital and they thought I'd be there for a month. Well, no, I went into labor the next day wow. and had an emergency C-section I had just eaten Jersey Mike's and they're like, Oh, you're, you're going into labor. I'm like, awesome. Awesome. That's great. I'm, I've got my energy for the That's great. That's great. Jersey Mike's that'll take me real far in this thing. But, um, <laughs> so then they were born and immediately though, we were like the calmest parents in the NICU. We were like the chillest parents in the world because everybody else in the NICU had either never been in the NICU before or, you know, they'd had no experience. But when we looked at the twins in the NICU who 
were not on ventilators like Charlie had been in the beginning and who were just, their goal was basically to just grow, you know, um, and all their tests came back normal. We know, we knew all the questions to ask. We were like, let's go hang out and get some coffee. And then I'm going to sit and do a crossword puzzle while the twins are sleeping, you know, and, and I wasn't as frantic with them already because already they were doing better than Charlie had done at their age. Mm -hmm. So we had a different like line to measure by. So I was not as worried, which is a funny like way to, I mean, that's a funny positive to list when you're all of your kids have been in the NICU, but it was a blessing for us because we had faith in what the doctors were doing and we knew what was going on and we knew the questions to ask. So when we finally took them home, other than the stress of like feeding two tiny people eight times a day, and I had to pump and bottle feed. Yikes. So it was like, I mean, that's all I did. That's basically all I did all day. Um, plus Charlie who, you know, so that's three little people that can't move on their own. It was, that was crazy. But what happened is the twins got older and they started to do things that Charlie hadn't been able to do at, at all these stages. I found myself, I thought I would be more sad. Like, as I saw that, like I would mourn that for Charlie. But what ended up happening was I started noticing all the things that made Charlie so special. Um, like the things like he can read and he loves to read and he can't read it out loud, but he can read it to himself. And, um, he is very loving. Like he, he will give everybody a smile and a hug and blow you a kiss and very kind in that way. And he was that way towards his siblings, towards Cora and Jonas. And, as I had to learn with them how to discipline, mm -hmm. I didn't have to do that in the same way with Charlie because personality-wise, he he's a very kind and gentle soul. So when I was learning to discipline with them, it actually, in a way, made me better with Charlie because I was such a... I'm, I'm still such a softie with Charlie. Like, my husband was like, you've got you've got to be a little tougher on him because you mm -hmm. give in so much and he, he's manipulating you. And I'm like, no, he's not. He just loves me, you know, but <laughs> he is manipulating. He might love me also, but so they helped me be better and with Charlie and more like I started to parent Charlie more like you'd parent any kid instead of like, Oh, this special kid, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Which was so necessary for him because if I want everybody else to treat him normally and to include him in the ways you would want any kid to be included, then I'm going to have to do the same thing. Like I'm going to have to go through the same stages and use the same tone of voice and everything else with him that I do with the twins. Um, and so by having them and learning how to be a normal, regular mom, to them, it made it helped me to be that way more towards Charlie. Wow. And it made us like, I don't know that I would have done, I would have started doing as many things with our family as we've done without the twins. Like go into like the boo at the zoo, you know, the Halloween stuff at the zoo, or you know, the Easter egg hunts and the um 
the pool in the summer and all these things that maybe I think would have felt too daunting or too not for us. Yeah. Everybody out there listening, I just made quotation marks around that. Not for <laughs> us. Um, became, no, this, this needs to be for us and it needs to be for all of us. And so Charlie ended up get, we started doing more things that I had been too scared to do or, or that I hadn't considered, um, after that. Well, and I think too, like you were finally able to kind of come up for air, you know, they were more independent Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. you weren't just at the demand of these little people as much as you were. I mean, take me back to that, those early years. How did you get through a day of that? Cause that, I mean, twins alone, it's, I see my friend, my friend's pregnant with twins twins and I've seen, you know, other parents with twins and it's just like, it just is mind blowing. And then you've got Charlie too. And take what, what really motivated you to get through the days? Was it faith? Was it just an inner drive? What was it driving you? Um, I think you named actually both of the things. So it was faith that God had carried me through infertility and miscarriage and a special needs child and now twins so if he had carried me through all of those other things and I had survived and then eventually thrived, um, that would happen even if it wasn't happening right now, which is a lot. Actually, I talk about that a lot in the book is how much hindsight helped me as I kind of built on like all the things that have happened. When I looked back at them, I saw like the, the tiny blessings and moments of grace and moments of reprieve. Um, that I couldn't see in the moment. And I think when the twins were little, I spent a lot of time looking backwards and remembering when I had been taken care of before. And that helped. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't <laughs> fix it. It's not like I was walking around like singing hallelujah and, you know, trying to not get spit up on <laughs> all the time, you know, but, but um, it did help. Uh, and then I think I'm a very, I am a very driven person. I've always been a driven person. I was valedictorian. I just push myself in a way that it can be like, that can be a, that, that can be a negative, you know, that can be, you can be driven in a good way. If you're, if you're focused on the right things and you have a good definition of what success is. But, um, I also think that that can be a downfall for, for those of us who, like if you push yourself to be the perfect mom and things like that, that'll just crush you. I mean, cause there's always going to be something more. And I think at that time I actually made myself narrow my focus down of what was success, very small things, because I knew if I didn't that drive that I naturally have would, it would be, it would stress me out. It would increase anxiety, which, you know, you know, everybody knows the sound of a baby is anxiety and crying is anxiety inducing. Like you hear that mm-hmm. cry and it literally triggers something in you. And when you have two crying all the time and one that's trying to cry, but he's limited verbally. And so he can't, and you see this, like you can easily get swallowed under by that. And so mm-hmm. I just really tried to make success are really small definition. Like success today is figuring out how to shower with the twins in their rock and plays in the bathroom with me and Charlie on the monitor, you know, like, and that if I could take a shower that way today, that was success. Yeah. You know, or leaving the house 
This was a big one. Leaving the house with all three by myself. I had a triple stroller (laughs) that everybody fit in. It was like longer than the car, I feel like. But and so anytime I left the house, that was success. And I was not at that time trying to write a bestseller or anything else. I was just trying to get through another day. And if it was a terrible day, I just let myself be like, okay, this was a terrible day. This was a terrible day. No good, very <laughs> bad day. But probably tomorrow cannot be as bad as today because I can't imagine that that would be possible. So let's try again tomorrow. And and I, I mean, I was not. I I went and saw a therapist at the time to make sure that I was taking care of myself and talking through all the things that I was feeling instead of just letting them sit. So I was, I was proactive in that sense too, of like, that is the biggest like self-care I could have given myself at that time was to be able to think about what my life was doing to me. You know what I mean? That's Without huge. just letting it slip by. So that was a big deal. That's huge. I mean, yeah. anyone listening, you know, obviously the issue of good mental health is so prominent now, but it's, it's those little things like that. It's just, it's like maintenance, you know, we yeah. all need it. We all need to bounce off our own inner dialogue off someone else who is not going to judge us. It's not going to say, well, you should probably do it this way. Cause this is the way that my mother did it and did it, you know, right. what you we would get from them. <laughs> right. Nobody needs that. Oh, I love that. So, yeah. I mean, we've talked about a lot of things, but for those listening, what do you think is the biggest takeaway that you want them to to walk away from this conversation about it, motherhood and and just living a really beautiful life? Oh man, I would say one: you're not doing it wrong. Whatever you're doing right now, it's not wrong. Um, even if you're really frustrated with like how it's going at the moment it's not wrong. You've got to give yourself grace to see it for what it is, which is probably just a learning experience for you and your family. Um, I think we expect things to go right out of the gate how we wanted them to. And when they don't, we're like, okay, totally new plan. We're making a totally new plan. (laughs) And I don't think we, I would say we don't have to do that. I think, I think there's something to be said for waiting and seeing and experimenting with how you are as a mom and just giving yourself some grace. Um, that would be the biggest thing. I think we are way too hard on ourselves. Um, when we feel like we've made a mistake, um, or even if we feel like we're just subpar or whatever, like, you know, I didn't make, I didn't make homemade broccoli tater tots for my kids. Right. (laughs) We did go to Sonic, you know, they do call everything a wacky pack, which if you're not from the South, Sonic drive, happy meals are wacky packs. My kids think every kid's meal everywhere is a wacky pack. Um, You just have, you know, sometimes you just have to cut yourself some slack and cut other moms some slack. I think that's a big one too. Like we are all doing the best that we can with what we've been given And that is a heart that all moms share. Like we are all trying to do the best we can. And it's going to look very different from one mom to the next. And I think that's why it's so hard to compare yourself to other moms because you don't have their kids and you don't have that woman's personality. So it's not going to be the same. So I think 
grace as you walk down the road that you're on for yourself and for other moms as well, I think is the biggest thing I would say. Um, just be kind to yourself. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, and so what's next for you? Oh, well, this is fun to talk about. So this is really fun to talk about because I just saw the cover for my new book, which is coming out. It feels so far away. Next September. So September, 2019, I have a middle grade, so ages 8 to 12, but more probably towards 12, um, middle grade novel for kids, um, and it's called Roll With It, and it is about a girl, a 12-year-old girl named Ellie, who has cerebral palsy, and she basically spends her whole life fighting for everyone to treat her normally, right, including her mom, including everybody, but she... In a, tw- in a twist she did not predict, nobody did, um, her grandfather in Oklahoma has Alzheimer's and he takes a turn for the worse. And so she and her mom, her mom's a single mom, she divorced mom. They decide to uproot their lives and move to a trailer park in Oklahoma to help the family because wow. that's what family does. Family is family and you take care of them. And her grandparents are just hilarious. Um, mm. And so they moved to this trailer park, but she has to start all over again at a new school who's never had a kid with a physical disability. They don't even have a bus. They don't have a short bus. So it's a whole new life for her. Um, she is practicing to be a, she wants to be a chef. She watches the great British bake off. She writes letters to chefs. She practices recipes on anyone she can. And she is just building a life and she's trying to get people to see her for who she is instead of what, she's sitting in instead of that wheelchair that she's sitting in and she's feisty. You know, I think people think people see kids in wheelchairs or, you know, with disabilities or especially with limited language, she doesn't have limited language, but they think that they're just kind of, Oh, bless his heart. Bless her heart. Isn't that a sweet soul? And Ellie in this book is, she is a fighter and she's sassy and she's sarcastic and she is, not all sunshine and cuddles. And I think, I think kids need to see that. I think kids need a glimpse into what it looks like to be a real person with CP and to just be a kid who has to start over in a new place. And I am very excited about it. Wow. I can't wait to get it. It sounds amazing. I'm going to read it to my two. It's fun. It's They're not that old yet, but I don't care. This sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You can read it. You can read it. Do what we all do. Read it to them, but it's like secretly for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm reading Harry Potter all over again for that. Right, reason. right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I do have some rapid fire questions if you're ready. Sure. Okay. Parenting well is? Counting to five before you speak. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to remember that. Um, yeah. I, I believe in. <laughs> uh, I believe in... Oh, giving yourself grace and praying through the hard moments. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for my husband who has a polar opposite personality than me because I feel like we balance parenting fairly well. Mm, I'm right there with you on that. Um, And love is? Love is not holding on to memories of all of the hard things about another person but instead celebrating what they bring out in you and themselves 
seeing those differences for the good and not the bad. I think love is understanding that everybody else doesn't love the same way that you do. And that's okay. Hmm. It's kind of an underlying theme today. Yeah. Um, and my last one, what's something that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? Oh, okay. That all the adults that have been through motherhood or parenting ahead of me don't necessarily know more than me. They, because they didn't, they they didn't go through what I went through. So I think I just assumed that if you were ahead of me, even, even those that had kids a little bit older than me, like if you were ahead of me on that life plan, you automatically knew more than me. And I don't think that's true. I think we just know different things. Yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, I think we just know different things and it's not about who knows more. I love it. I love that. I agree. So how can people find you? What's the best way? Oh, okay. You can probably find the easiest is my website, which is Jamie, J-A-M-I-E hyphen Sumner, S-U-M-N-E-R.com. Um, and if you're a book lover, I have a newsletter that is a book a week. That's my, what I'm currently reading, a fun song and a funny quote. So it's kind of like, if you just need a midweek boost, it's fun. Hey guys, I hope you love this episode with Jamie Sumner. She's brilliant. And I really took home the message that we all need to be kinder to ourselves, especially as moms. Um, it's a hard job. It's the hardest job in the world. Um, so it's really imperative that we all treat ourselves with kindness and compassion and just cut ourselves a break. We're all doing the best that we can, as she says. So if you know a mom in your life who needs to hear this message, please don't hesitate to share it with them. And if you haven't already loves, please leave me a review on iTunes. It helps so much for the exposure of the show and getting the word out to more and more people. Thanks. See you next time.